0: So Welcome everybody. It is so good to kickstart this series off with you today. Thank you Matt for opening up in prayer. So we're going to be talking about The Greatest Showman for the next four weeks. (laughs) Who is ready? So what is The Greatest Showman and why are we doing a four-part series on the key songs from this movie? Well, You, here in this room, you may either fall into one of these three categories. One, you love this movie. Two, you really don't love this movie. Or three, you've not even seen this movie. Well, whichever category you fall into today, there is no denying the impact that The Greatest Showman has had. So I'm just going to break down, you know, I'm just going to prepare the scene for this next four weeks. I'm going to give you some context. So this film arrived at the end of 2017 and it took the world by storm all throughout 2018 and it still continues to be relevant today. And we're in 2019. So much so that this year's Brit Academy Awards Ceremony was opened up by Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman plays the lead acting role in The Greatest Showman. And he sang a hit from the musical. And that was literally just a few months ago. And also, just for some more perspective, this musical became the fifth highest earning musical of all time. And its soundtrack spent more weeks at number one than any other album this century. But why? What is it about this film? Why has this film become such a successful phenomenon? Why has it captured the hearts and imaginations of so many in this generation? And what is it about this story? Well, this story, it actually celebrates... The Birth of Show Business. And it talks about a visionary, an entrepreneur, an idealist called P.T. Barnum. And this guy, he rose from nothing. And he created something amazing. He created a spectacle that became a worldwide sensation. And in the musical, we see him as a young boy a boy of lower class and he grows up and he's desperate to prove himself in the eyes of society. I personally believe Hugh Jackman, he does, an, he does a brilliant job at expressing this eagerness and perseverance to overcome every obstacle with energy and positivity and it's this passion that drives the whole film. He does take risks, but unfortunately he does become blinded by fame and fortune. And he doesn't get to enjoy what he's got. And he wants more. And he becomes distant towards his family and what's important to him. This musical is actually based on a true story. However, in the film they cleverly adapted this movie to make it relevant to today's generation. Because actually, the real P.T. Barnum, the guy in the black and white, he wasn't a good man. He was not nice. And he actually was using this circus of human oddities and he created a freak show parade, all for his personal gain, and he was using stereotypes and differences as something to exploit rather than to empower. However, in the movie, they totally just you know, shifted from this perspective, and the overriding message in the film is all about celebrating and embracing our differences. And actually, these group of outcasts, they join the circus, and they use who they are to their advantage. And they, even in this circus actually, it becomes like a home. It becomes a place of community, of belonging. And they can be who they are away from a world who wasn't actually accepting them. So this movie skillfully adapted to echo with the realities that we're actually facing in today's generation. So that's kind of like a breakdown of the story. But what about these songs? What is it about these songs that have captured and we sing them today, even still? Well, we're going to be looking at only four of the biggest songs, but actually clearly this whole soundtrack has been pretty powerful. And obviously, as a church, this year's theme is... Yes, it is. And together we're going to explore the parallels of what God says, about our self-worth our significance, our security, that seem to be the dominant themes running through this soundtrack. Today, we're going to be specifically looking at one of my personal favorite songs, Never Enough. And this is a powerful ballad. It literally gives me chills the first time I heard it. And it comes at a point in the film where actually, just to give you some context if you've not seen it, it comes when P.T. Barnum, the main character, he's actually already reached a level of success, a certain level of stardom, but he sees this singer and he sees her as like this next opportunity to get more, to get to that next level. And on first listen, and in the context of the film, it's about this singer who wants to be with P.T. Barnum, but can't. However, actually, this song, Never Enough, the main lyrics... They become an anthem for the whole musical, and they reflect the main character, Hugh Jackman. They reflect his need for the world's fame and fortune that just don't satisfy. So the songwriters of this song, Never Enough, said this quote, Never, never, never enough felt like you could imagine someone in a castle trying to count all their riches and it still doesn't add up to enough. It's that kind of moment where somebody isn't really satisfied. And this perfectly describes Barnum's insatiable need for the pursuit of more, for the world to love him, for him to constantly prove that he is more than where he came from. And I love this lyric in the song, which goes, Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it will never be enough. And again, that perfectly describes that main theme. So Matt is going to further highlight some truths, and he's going to explore the teachings about this a bit more. But I don't know what you're experiencing today. Maybe you feel rejected Maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe you feel that you're not enough. For me, when I was looking at this song, it just opened up this question for me. And I was like, why is it that humanity seems to chase after things in this world, such as relationships, jobs, possessions, money, in an attempt to satisfy something deep within us that can only be satisfied by God?" And we know this as Christians, and yet we see this time and time again. But before we move on, before Matt breaks it down, we're going to listen to the song, Never Enough. And if you've not he- heard it before, just really tune into the lyrics and, and see what the themes are on self-worth, security and significance. trying to
1: hold
0: my breath. Let it stay this way. Can't let this moment end. You set off a dream in me. Getting
2: So, um, I know there's a great disappointment this morning that I wasn't personally going to sing that for you, and uh, and I can feel that. But uh, that's probably for the best. Um, if you've been hanging around Zio Church at all, uh, then you will know that uh, uh, myself, Matt, I'm the pastor of the church here. Um, I love pizza, and I love burgers. And imagine my delight when I saw in 2016 that this uh, restaurant in Atlanta in the United States of America had brought those two things together and they had c- created the burger pizza. Look at this thing. Look at that. That, my friends, is 20 pounds of beef patty covered with cheese and bacon sandwiched between two 8-inch pepperoni pizzas. It's, it's bigger than the average size of a human head, that thing. And uh, it's probably good that it's so so far away, because my boys and I would look at that, wouldn't we, Andy? we call that a heart attack on a plate right there. We really, really weren't. Now, now maybe for you, the whole idea of, um, of that kind of thing has no appeal, uh, that you would not be interested in that. But I wonder what it is for you. For some of us, it's more food as... Um, Alex said, for some of us, it's more stuff, it's more money, it's more jobs, it's more uh, relationships. Um, all of us, if we're not careful, can be caught up in the pursuit of more. And the problem with the pursuit of more, as this song illustrates, as the writers talk about, is it, does it really leave us satisfied? Does it really fill up that, that sense of what our soul is longing for? Like Jesus Christ, who we believe is God broken into human history to become a man. He he had loads to say about life. In fact, one of my favorite things that Jesus said, he said in John 10 verse 10, he said that he had come as God to give us life and life in all its fullness. Life in all its fullness. And so often when Jesus spoke to people, he he knew that he had to challenge the way they thought. Because 2,000 years ago, people were battling with the pursuit of more and finding things to satisfy themselves. Things that ultimately were never enough, just as much then as today, 2,000 years later. And the primary way that Jesus got people to think differently was that he told stories. And not just any kind of stories. stories that had a purpose, stories that had a meaning, stories that would provoke people, stories that sometimes would make people angry. And we're going to, over these four weeks, as we look at a song, we're also going to look at a story that Jesus told and how that story connects with the song and maybe takes the truth even further and even deeper. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to look at a a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. Now, uh, Luke is in the New Testament, and at the beginning of the New Testament, there are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all biographies of the life of Jesus, saying what Jesus said, what Jesus did, all about him. And so turn your Bible on or open it up. And, uh, and for those of you who don't have a Bible, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen as well. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. And what's been happening at Luke chapter 12 is that Jesus has been talking to thousands of people. And in the midst of that, someone calls out and asks him a question. Let's look at verses 13 to 15. So it says, someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter between you, you and your brother? And then Jesus uh, takes this moment and he turns to everyone around in the crowd and says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions i just pause there for a second. Now, this might feel like a slightly odd thing that someone just calls out to Jesus and says, why don't you tell my brother that he needs to share the inheritance? But actually, people recognize that Jesus was a teacher or, or the language at the time was a rabbi, like the most learned of people, super wise, super intelligent. And in the culture of that day, that if you did have a dispute with someone, but even within the family, you would often go to a rabbi and and basically ask the rabbi to settle the dispute. So what the... What the brother is looking for is for basically Jesus to side with him so that he can then go home to his brother and say, I went to go and see one of the rabbis and I told the rabbi that you weren't sharing the money with me and the rabbi said, you need to share the money with me and you've got to do it because the rabbi said it. And people would usually do that. But notice that Jesus refuses to be drawn into this. Like Jesus kind of, like, he, he speaks to a much deeper problem. The, 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 the guy thinks like that his problem is that he doesn't have enough money and wealth to bring him joy and peace. And Jesus is saying, that is not your problem at all. Your problem is that you have become a lover of things. And that you believe that the way for joy and peace and satisfaction, the way to have enough, that your soul is full, is to have things. And when Jesus says, watch out, as we read there, it literally means... Open your eyes, you're blind, you've become blinded to what is true, you've become blinded to what is healthy, you've become blinded to what is true life, you've bought into the culture that the pursuit of more will satisfy you, you will discover it will never be enough. And to make it clear, he says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. The contemporary English version of the Bible puts it this way. Owning a lot of things won't make your life safe. It's like the writer Thomas Merton. He once said, people may spend the whole of their lives climbing the ladder of success only to find that once they reach the top, the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. Spend the whole of your life thinking, this is it. This is the way to be happy. This is the way to be fulfilled. And you get so far like P.T. Barnum finds in this story and you find, no, this hasn't worked. This hasn't worked. So what's the answer then? And Jesus never creates a problem without a solution. Let's read on verses 16 to 19. Because now Jesus tells a story. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. Now let's pause again. Now let, let me be clear. In this story, Jesus is not saying that wealth and success and business prosperity is bad. He's, he's not saying that at all. That's not the point. Like We should work hard. We believe in a God who wants to prosper us. We believe in a God who wants to see us be successful and profitable in life and in, and in work and finance and education and money. All of those things are good. But what Jesus is about to challenge here is the attitude towards those things. The belief that if I have money, if I have a relationship, if I have clothes, if I have the job, then my soul will be satisfied. And the problem is, if you notice in all the sentences I just said, the common word is I. And in the original language that this is written in, which is Greek in the New Testament, the word I features in this story... Eight times. The word my, five times. Jesus is making the point that if we embrace a belief system that is all about the pursuit of more, Jesus is saying, you become self-centered, self-indulgent, and self-absorbed. And that is exactly what happens to P.T. Barnum in the story. And that's what happens here to the rich man. It's all about himself He's saying to himself, and literally the language means, "I said to my soul." When you when you see it, saying, "You know," then he said, "I said to my soul, the deepest part of himself." He's saying, "Like I've got this figured, I've got this sorted out, I've got everything I need, and I'll just keep getting more and more and more, and I'll be, I can just enjoy it, and I'll enjoy it for decades to come." And at face value, you might think this sounds like a good philosophy. Like you've got lots of stuff, you've got security, it's all good. And now Jesus is about to offend people. Just nudge the person next to you and say, get ready to be offended. Because if you're looking at this story so fine, you're you're like, this feels good. The guy's built bigger barns. He's sitting there. He's got, you know, his, he's got his Prosecco. He's got his cigar. He's got his feet up. The sun is shining. He's on a, a lovely... Uh, he's on the Bahamas. you know. And he's, he's, all his barns are working. For him. I'm just going to enjoy this for decades to come. And then in the next part of the story, the next two verses, Jesus says, But God said to him, You fool! No one likes to be called a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then, you, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God so here's this guy's got all of this success, and Jesus is saying, you fool, you've missed it. You thought life was about this, and it's not about that at all. And in fact, the reality is, and we all know this to be true, that as good as stuff is, it's it's good to have things in our lives. It's good to have people in our lives. We need all of those things. It's not that those things are bad. But the reality is, having those things in our lives, we all know, doesn't mean we have a perfect, carefree life. And actually having those things in our lives also brings anxiety and stress. That's the reality. I mean, I, here is my mobile phone. How many of you have got a mobile phone? Wave your hands in the air. like We all do, don't we? Some of you just like, I'm not raising my hands in the air. <laughs> Spirit of rebellion. <laughs> I, I love my phone. It's amazing what I can do on my mobile phone. And, and I don't know if you've ever lost your phone or the battery in your phone has died or your, your computer at home has died and you're like, how will I live? Like, the, you know, these, these things, there's even this word, isn't there, nomophobia. It's the fear of losing your mobile phone. We get so dependent on this stuff. And when it's working, it's great. But when it doesn't, it creates huge anxiety. Or think about our relationships. I know this will shock you, but, but, but sometimes my, my friends and my family, uh, who, who I love, they're amazing. I'm blessed with a rich family and friends. But sometimes those people tick me off. Like, does that happen to you? People tick you off sometimes. Like, you know, and it's right that we're in relationship with people. Like we need to be, but but these people I've discovered, they're not perfect as me. (laughs) They're not as wise as me. They they say stupid things. They make me cross, they upset me, all that kind of stuff. Apparently they say I can do the same. I find that hard to believe. So we all need people in our lives. But if our whole security is based on people, we know we're going to have moments of anxiety and upset and hurt because people mess up. Like if our whole goal in life is to look good, you know, I I like to look after myself, take care of myself. But I'm aware I am getting older. I'm 50 in two years time. I know you think I'm... Too young to, to be, but I really am. I was, I was coming home a few months ago and, and I ended up having a conversation with my next door neighbors. They've got two lovely little girls, Sophie and Evie. And Sophie, who's about six, she looks at me and she says, Matt, why is your hair gray? So I said to her, I said, Sophie, um, it's not all gray. There are some brown bits. And she looked at me and she goes, No, there aren't. It's all gray. It's all gray. Now, I don't know what she's looking at, because when I look in a mirror, this is not all grey. It's not, is it? Healing. But but the point is, if if my satisfaction, if my sense of well-being, if my self-worth and significance is based on how I look, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be all about me. And none of that stuff is going to work. It brings stress. And so what Jesus is saying, like all these things, they're okay. It's not that they're bad. But if you're looking for self-worth, your sense of knowing you're loved, if you're looking for significance, what your purpose is, if you're looking for security, that that, that these things will make sure you're okay, then Jesus is saying, you're looking in the wrong place. And to really drive it home, he says in the words, he says, you fool. Here you are lying on your little deck chair in the Bahamas thinking like, I've got it made. I'm going to do this for the next 40 or 50 years. And Jesus is saying, and God says like, no, you're going to die today. You're going to die. And what was it all for? How's that going to help you in the next life? You can't take it with you. And I don't, I don't want to be morbid or anything uh, for a moment. I don't. But the reality is, unless Jesus returns, every single one of us are going to die. It's just the reality, isn't it? 100% statistic. We're all going to die at one point or other. That's going to be our reality. We all live our lives between two dates. One of those dates you know, it's the date you were born. One of those dates you don't, it's the date that you will die. And the big question that life poses to us is how will you live your life between those two dates? What is life all about? And what Jesus is doing in this story is saying, really philosophically, you only have two ways that you can live your life. You can live your life where you put yourself in the center of the world. The center of your universe. And everything revolves around you. Then you have to be wise enough and clever enough to know what are the things that you need in order to be enough. In order to be satisfied. But Jesus says, that is never going to end well. Because you'll always find anxiety. Because stuff, relationships, jobs, things break. They get spoiled. But then Jesus says, but if you are willing to humbly admit that you are not clever enough and wise enough and perfect enough to run your own life and put yourself in the center. And he says, but if you put God in the center of your life. If he is your wisdom, if he is your guide, if he is your saviour, if he is your life giver, if he is your lord, your boss, if you listen to him and everything that he says, then you'll find life and peace. That's what he means by being rich towards God. If you put God in the centre of everything. Because here's the truth, friends. That if you are living a life together, which is all uh, today, which is all about you, that you are at the center of your universe, you are living your life way too small. You were born for much bigger things than that. Life is is not about the abundance of possessions and life isn't just about you. Life, when when you put God in the center, when you are, are willing to humbly come and say, only the creator of my soul can heal my soul and make me whole. Only the creator of my soul tells me who I am and why I'm here and carries me through the tough stuff. When God is at the center, that's the promise that he makes for us. That's the promise that he makes with us. We discover our identity. We discover our purpose. That he is at work in us. That we are becoming more like Jesus. That that what we're called to do is to live lives of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. Grace and mercy, justice and generosity, forgiveness and reconciliation. That we're living lives that we are shining brightly in the world. We're living lives where people want to be with you. They love hanging out with you because you radiate the life of God. And God is light and God is life and God is love. And if God is at the center of your world, then you will radiate light and love and life. That's what you will be. That's what you were born to be. And this kind of life this kind of life, then it doesn't even fear death. It doesn't worry about death because the Jesus who died on the cross and rose again, defeating death, comes to us today and saying, if I have the power to defeat death, then you don't need to worry about death. You can overcome death. Death is not the end of your story. That when you step into eternity, you find you're rich with God because you know him. You've been living for him. And Jesus welcomes you in with open arms and says, well, done. You did it. Great choice. Great choice. I remember Brendan who used to be at this church once saying that God's judgment is life on your terms. God will always give you what you want. If you want him at the center of your life, then he'll be at the center of your life now and for all eternity. And if you don't want God at the center of your life, then he will be far from you for all eternity. Because God gives you what you've asked for. And if God is light and love and joy and light and all those things, then, then the very opposite of those things, well, that sounds like hell to me. God wants us to be, have to place him right at the center of all things. And we find our identity in him. And then as we do that, this is our story. It's the story of so many people here. We discover that he is enough. He is enough. I want to close by reminding you of a story I shared a few years ago. And it's a, one of my closest friends and a uh, guy who's like a brother to me, Phil. And, uh, and in 2015, uh, his mom had been really ill and he went around to her house with his sister. They called the doctor out. His mum was 93 years old, Kath. And uh, the sister asked the doctor, what, the, you know, what, what do you think? And the doctor said, she probably won't last the night. And... Uh, Phil's sister went into the room, and Kath' mom turned to her and said, what did the doctor say? She said, do you really want to know? He said, yeah, I want to to know. He said, well, mum, the doctor says you're probably not going to last the night. And this huge smile came on Kath Holt's face, and she went, wonderful. (laughs) And so they started to sing, sing, sing some hymns and praise. Because this is, this is a woman who's lived her life with God at the center. And when you have God at the center, you don't even worry about death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? You don't worry because you know the moment you're gone, you're just with Jesus forever. And when you're with Jesus forever, all suffering and sickness and cancer and death and sinfulness, all of that stuff is done and forever. And then they came to this moment, and because not all the brothers and sisters could get there in time. And and they said, Mom, would you pray for us? Would you pray your last prayer over the family? Would you pray? And she agreed to pray. And they recorded the prayer so that they could play it to the rest of the family. And I want to play you as I close that prayer. I want to pray for you the prayer of a woman who's just about to die and face Jesus. And so listen to this prayer.
1: Oh my father, what an occasion, what an occasion that I am coming home, leaving my precious family behind, and all precious lost, place their loving hand upon me in a mighty, mighty way bless thee for thy goodness in the past. We bless thee for all that has taken place in each precious life. I've had the joy of bringing them up. Oh, thank you Lord for everything, for the wonder of it all. Thou hast helped me in such a lovely way. Thank you Father, for thy goodness, and I just ask for thy blessing to be outpoured up upon each one in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, thy hand will be placed upon them, all oh, to touch, them. to keep them, to bless them, to guide them, to keep and to undertake in every way thank you Father just leave them in my wonderful care thank you Lord Amen
2: So two hours passed after this prayer moment and they sat with mum as she was in the bed she couldn't get up she couldn't move And Phil talks about how in those last closing hours, suddenly Kat sat bolt upright. She'd never been able to do it for a long time. She sat bolt upright. She looked ahead of her like she'd seen someone. And then she fell back into the arms of Jesus. When God is at the center, you don't fear anything. Even death itself and uh, we're going to close our time we're not going to sing a final song because our time has gone on with all the other things that we've done today but i want to ask you this question and then we're going to pray like is god really at the center for you i'm talking to everyone in this house like is is he is he a step away from the center Have you bought into, if I could just get this relationship, if I could just get this money, if I could just... That's the most important thing. Or are you willing to say, no, God, I put you at the center for life and love and light, both now and for all eternity. I put you at the center. There are people here this morning who who need to choose afresh. You are a Christian, but you need to choose a fresh no! I put you at the center. If I'm going to find life and peace, if I'm going to find satisfaction, then I recognize that I've, I've switched places with you. I put myself back in the driving seat. I release control. I put you back in the center. And there are some people here this morning who, for the very first time, need to put God in the center. You, this is an honesty moment where you're humble enough To release pride and admit, God, what was I thinking? That the pursuit of more, having stuff, it's never going to be enough. I was created to know the God who loved me. Who created me. Who has a purpose for me that we're going to discover over these weeks. Who loved me so much he died on a cross. Taking on the darkness and death in my life. And rising again to give me forgiveness and life. And so in a few seconds time, if you today need to make a recommitment for God to be right at the center. Life, peace, joy is found in him. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. And those of us standing, we're going to pray as a way of recommitting ourselves and saying, God, I want you right at the center. The center of my whole life. So why don't you do that right now? If that's you, wherever you are. I know there are people here today. It's great. Your moment of response. Don't stand because other people are standing, but stand because you know, God, I want you right at the center of all things. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if you're here today and you're just battling in this moment, maybe your your first moment of saying, God, I want you at the center. Again, I encourage you to respond to him. We've all got our questions. Thank you, God. Lord, we stand today and we ask for your forgiveness. That we have built our lives on things that do not last. And Lord, it's not that those things are bad because you want to take care of us and we need people and we need clothes and we need food and None of those things are bad, but we confess that we thought those things would bring us ultimate happiness. And we know that you are the source of life. So afresh, here we are, standing. We commit our lives to you, to put you back in the very center of all things. Forgive us. Heal us. Restore us. Comfort us, strengthen us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now in Jesus' name and fill us again. Fill us again. Help us to live our lives. We can only do it with you. With you at the center of everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we all stand just as I do a final blessing? Let me just bless you with a final blessing as we finish. Do come and join us for refreshments. If you want to come for lunch, remember to do that. And um, if you're a guest, do come and say hi at the big yellow wall. And uh, we'd love to get to know you. And join us for the next four weeks. Next week, we've got the classic This Is Me song. Kate's going to be speaking. It's going to be great. So why don't you close your eyes for a moment. And uh, just want to... Just want to bless you with these wonderful words of Scripture. And if you feel able to uh, hold out your hands just as a way of saying, Okay, God, I surrender and I receive. And so may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord protect you this week and guard you. May God shine his face on you. May you know his approval. And may he be gracious to you in your point of need. And may God surprise you with his favor and his kindness. And may he, above all things, give you in this moment and every moment till we gather again, the thing that your soul longs for. His peace. His peace. His peace. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.